Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hoping to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. The Jazz in action tonight. Boston Celtics are in town. Tip-off is at 8.30. Pre-game coverage begins at 7.30. Tim Lacombe going to be with me tonight for pre, half, and post. So make sure and stay tuned for that. It should, uh, you know, Boston's really good, Gordon. And if the Jazz show up to play, it'd be nice to have a really good game here at the arena tonight. Think about how therapeutic that would be for the Jazz to play their best and to have a tough, tough game against a tough opponent and win the freaking thing. That might be the best-case scenario of anything. If they were playing some other team that was a lesser team and they got a victory, then you sort of say, okay, at least it's better than a loss. But a victory over over the, uh, the third-best uh, team right now in the East, that would be uh, something that could spring them out of their funk, and they need that springing, man. Well, and there's there's been some drama, I guess, today. Some reports out there. Tony Jones and Sham Shirani of The Athletic reported earlier today that Mike Conley would be replaced in the starting lineup by Royce O'Neal. Then a couple hours later, both those guys reported that after the players were alerted to the lineup change, they've changed their mind. Mike Conley will remain in the starting lineup, and Joe Ingles will go to the bench in favor of Royce O'Neal. That's uh, what we know. We'll, uh, we'll see come tip time. A lot of uh, Quinn Snyder usually talks to the media about now. Uh, He'll do it a little bit later because it's a later tip. But my guess is he's not going to address the starting lineup in his comments, and we'll find out for sure moments before the game starts. Well, if I know if I know Quinn right, he he doesn't like this stuff anyway. He doesn't he doesn't like differentiating one from the other, and and we'll really see for ourselves the way this game unfolds and who plays and who doesn't and how much they play. But they could get an energy boost from a lineup shift. Maybe. You know, you got to do something. Right. You couldn't just let the Jazz keep that that was that was that was terrible what we saw on Monday night. That loss to Phoenix was that bad. It it, it may have been the worst loss of the season, certainly one of them. I know didn't Toronto beat them by 40. Or they were up forty at half, or something like that, uh, or twenty at half, or whatever. You know, so it was. there have been some, there have been some doozies, but that one was, the Jazz were listless uh, against an opponent that is not good, that doesn't, uh, that should not beat it, especially not on its home floor. And the fans have been very supportive of this team, even at times when they were a little confused about what they were seeing and why it was going the way it was. And so for those fans to sit there and, and watch that happen, it, it was a difficult night in this arena. It was difficult. It was difficult for everybody. The locker room afterward was, was just it – was, it was a bummer, man. It was a downer. And it's because there was nothing more to say. Donovan Mitchell essentially said, well, we can talk all we want, but nothing matters unless we do it out on the floor. Rudy Gobert, who are you? Speaking of the team, that's a good question. A very good question. Well, I think those guys are probably uh, tired about lip service. You know, I, I'm sure they want to win, but they're not playing like it. They're not pulling in the same direction. It, it's not fitting together. 
And we don't know. We're not behind those doors every single day. But, you know, there's something going on because it's it's so here today, gone tomorrow. Are you buying into the whole idea that there that it is an attitude thing? Do you think it is a lack of confidence? Do you think it's too much satisfaction taken with what was accomplished before the All-Star break? Do you think they're just physically not good enough? Where are you? No, I mean, they're physically not good enough in some areas, but, I mean, all teams have flaws, and they've overcome those flaws in the past. So, you know, I guess it's more attitudinally. Well, I, let me put it this way. I think that's problem number one, because you don't lose to the to the Spurs and the Suns like that at yeah. home. Yeah. They're better than that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's effort, that's attitude, that's focus, whatever cliche you want to attach to it, their head's not in the game. Right? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about the Lakers and the Clippers, right. maybe that's a different story. But exactly. we're talking about teams that they are better yes. than. And that's not a controversial statement. That's not a homer statement. That's a, that's a, a fact. Look, yeah. at the, look at the standings. Look at performances. They are better than the Phoenix Suns. They are better than the San Antonio Spurs. And they got worked by both of them. Regardless, so, regardless of, of any adjustments that uh, might have been made by the Suns to go get the Jazz, like learning from other teams. No, it's the Phoenix Suns. You got to beat them, and I understand that the Suns, the Suns, the Suns beat the Clippers recently, and I, I mean they've they've had some victories. These NBA teams, they can beat somebody on a on an off night, but we've seen you know that San Antonio loss was not good, and then you follow that up with a loss to Houston, and we understand the the uh, competitive nature of that matchup, but then the Suns come in and you just get ragdolled on your on your home floor. I mean that that was. There's something else yeah, going on. It's up here. Right. It's between the years. Well, and and listen, Mike Conley being short, is that, you know, kind of an issue? Sure. Is that their main issue at the moment? No. Absolutely not. They've got other things going on. You know, is is Joe Ingles not the fastest guy on the floor? <laughs> He's not. Is that an issue? Probably, but it's not going to change. So, Jake, if you were to circle the main issue, the number one issue that needs to be resolved, it would be what? Buy in. Buy in. How did they lose that? I don't know. They've lost it though. They they have maybe not everybody and maybe You think they got satisfied? Do you think Donovan and Rudy got satisfied with making the all star team and everybody just sort of keyed off of that and the whole thing drooped from there? I don't know, because I don't want to be reckless and blame somebody or something well, I know, when, I, when just, I don't hey, know. Hey, we're brainstorming here. Right, right, right. No judgment. But the buy-in, no, but I, I'm not going to say, hey, this team's not buying in because Donovan and Rudy are full of themselves for making the All-Star game. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know. All I know is this team is not pulling in the same direction. They're not. They're not. And you can look at the, the buy-in first and foremost on the defensive side. You know, all that Olay stuff and no commitment to stay in yeah. front of, of your guy and those sorts of things. And, and I think part of Rudy's probably, and this is probably unfair to you, but probably part of him is fed up uh, of picking up the slack for everybody, and he's had moments where he's lapsed too. And probably there's a little bit going through his mind, like if these guys aren't going to do it, I'm not either. But, I mean, there's a very basic part of basketball, and that's staying in front of the guy in your garden. Right. And they're, they're not doing it. It's and been then, way too And then too they're not easy. helping. Yeah, yeah. And what we've seen over and over again is somebody gets loose – whether they get a screen or whether they're just dribbling, they get loose and they get where they want to get. And then what happens? Rudy has to step up, then they dish the ball off, and Rudy gets dunked on. And then, but you're right, Rudy has made some errors in judgment as well. 
being in places he shouldn't have been. And I, I, it's, I think Jerry Sloan used to say this. He used to be afraid when the Jazz would lose, he'd be afraid that they were never going to win another game. And when Jerry would say that, I'm looking at a freaking legend, an NBA legend, who says something that you just kind of blow off. Because, come on, Jerry, you're going to win. you got a good team. You're going to win. You're a great coach. You're going to win a bunch of games. He, he didn't look at it that way. He took every game as though it was serious. Like, it, like it, it, every game is tenuous. Every You can lose that game if you don't do what you have to do in order to win it. And that's why it's so important for the Jazz to go out on a game like t- this tonight and earn the victory, to get their legs back under them, to get their hearts in the right place and their minds in the right place. And I don't know whether they're going to do it or not, but, I, I mean, if they play the way they did Monday night, then I understand Jerry's comment. When are you going to win the next game if you're playing like that? Well, the problem is if they don't care about winning the next game. If they're not buying in because they don't believe in it, or not buying in for whatever reason. Well, well, we heard Donovan Mitchell in the postgame after the Phoenix game. He basically told us it was buy-in. He said the coaches can only do so much. They're great. In fact, went on to praise the coaches and said it's it's us who have to go out there and do it. Quinn Snyder has essentially said that. Not that he's done everything he can, but he said, like, hey, they got to go out there and be focused and communicate and do all those things. How I mean, frustrating is, would it be to be a coach and have your team drop out from under you like that? I mean, that must – because are you telling me that Quinn Snyder and his staff don't prepare for every game with equal enthusiasm and energy? They do. And then to lose your team like that, to just have them fall away, that must – I mean, I've, I've never been uh, an NBA coach. I mean, I have coached – some uh, junior teams to high level play, and uh, How junior with with, with brilliant uh, scheming, uh, you know, and brilliant game planning, and, and 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 the kind of motivational power that it takes to snatch victory. But you digress, and it was you know, I mean. It wasn't a high level of ball or anything. But the point you were making was? I can't remember. Yeah, I didn't think so. I thought about halfway through that little diversion. He's like, I'm like, he's got no, no clue what point he's making, does he? <laughs> the point, I just wanted to brag a little bit about my high-level coaching at the junior level. But uh, the, the point is that as a coach, I imagine that that would be really frustrating when you're doing all the things that you typically do to win, to put your team in a position to win, and your team – the buy-in, like you said, is low. The commitment isn't there. What? Well, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm sure Quinn Snyder's doing everything he can, but this is part of his job. And maybe this part is is not easy for him because he's a real X's and nose, you know, basketball savant kind of dude. And maybe the, the psychiatry side of it the, that Phil Jackson was so good at, you know, maybe that's difficult. But that's, I mean, if you're getting, if you're not getting buy-in from your team, you got to figure out how to get buy-in. And a lot of that falls on players, but you've got to you've got to figure out how to motivate these guys. And, and I will say this, you know, if you're a group that nobody believes in, and everybody get behind me and do this, and and we're going to prove everybody wrong, you know, that's an easy message to sell. But you can't sell that to this year's Jazz team. You can't. What was that book Phil Jackson wrote? Sacred Hoops. Spiritual lessons or something or other? 
Maybe the Jazz need to get spiritual or something. I don't know. I don't know if that's the... Cut that. the head off a chicken? I don't know. What? they got to figure out a way to get everybody to play the role that is best for the team. That would make more sense. <laughs> yeah, that would make a lot more sense. And that starts on the defensive end, and we've heard player after player and, and Quinn Snyder say it over and over and over again. And we've heard even David Locke, uh, who is, we were hoping joining us in this segment, but even David's simplified it from a strategy standpoint. You know, the Jazz are better uh, when they're, uh, they're better. You're better at defense when the, they're taking the ball out of the net. So when you're better at, when you're making shots, you're better at defense. <laughs> yeah, that does help. Right. See, so, it helps. Not only does it help from a pacing standpoint, it also helps from a from a confidence. That was what I was getting at when I was talking about that earlier. Because it seems like at times the Jazz have to they, when they miss a few shots. Next thing you know, there's a turnover committed. And there's a uh, you get blown by, and there's an easy basket for the opponent. It, it, uh, they they lose focus when they're not shooting the ball well. I guess that's what I'm saying. And I don't know whether that's a common thing or not. Hmm. Well, they have to figure out a way to get everybody on the same page. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. I put a lot of that on Donovan, too, because this has to be his locker room. I don't think it can be Rudy's. I don't, th- I, I don't think it can be Joe's. I think it's got to be Donovan. He's yeah. the one with the personality. He's the one with the game. He's the one with the responsibility. He's, okay, he's so the, the number night, one. It's got to be him. The other night, what was he, like 11 and 19 from the field, something like that? He scored 38 points, and that was far from enough. To I'm not talking team. about production. But isn't that a part of leadership? It is a part of leadership. You can't but- take ownership of the locker room if you're an empty bag of wind. I don't think production is going to be an issue for Donovan. I know there were some up and down games after he was named an All Star or whatever, but his production has been fine. It will continue to be fine. That's his not defense be a, could be better. He's he's got to be the guy though. Remember when we had all those conversations about Mike Conley having to fit into the Jazz culture. Yeah, Donovan has got to be the Jazz culture. He's got to be the one you get behind. He's got to be the one that you buy into. It has to be him. It can't be anybody else. But think about when the Jazz were winning games, and think about the exciting moments for this team in, in those. In those high times, like Bogdanovich beating the Rockets with that with that crazy shot at the end. I mean, didn't it seem like that team was together? Didn't it seem like that team had bought into the culture, that that team was, was ready to go to battle with one another? More so than now, but it's a long season. Ebbs and flows, man. Well, and and that was a team that, you know, was going through a spot in the schedule where they were favored in a lot of games, but at the same time had that, well, Mike Conley's not here, so we're at a disadvantage, and we need to go out there and play hard because how are we going to win if we don't? Yeah. Huh. It's th- This whole thing is fascinating to me because it's so much more than X's and O's. It's so much more. Knowledge is power. I get that. And if you have a smart coach – who can put players in positions to win, then good on you. But it's so much more than that. I, I, you got to be a freaking psychologist to be a, to be a successful, effective coach, even at the highest levels. Well, yeah, because trying hard is hard. And you've got to get your players to go out there and do the hard thing. Well, it gets back to what I was saying, what, what Jerry said, you know, that he, he was afraid of losing, and you had to have that kind of fear to motivate you to keep at it and to, to keep mentally sharp and to communicate and to play together and to make sacrifices and dive for loose balls and do everything necessary, uh, uh, large and small, to win games. You, you gotta, it's got to be 
What's the story about the the violinist who was playing and somebody was watching and they said, wow, I'd, I'd give my life to be able to play like that. And they said, well, I have given my life to it, you know. Or what, maybe the other, these are all apocryphal stories, I know. But what's the one about, uh, about you know, you got to want it as bad as you want, you know, breathing air? Garfield. Doesn't somebody talk about somebody lasagna. under the water and say, when you want it as bad as you wanted air when you were under? <laughs> what was that, Cinderella? <laughs> Beats me. Pee-wee's uh, Big Adventure? <laughs> Point is... You got to breathe, you know, you got to want it. You got to want it like you want the air when you're drowning and you got to, you'll, you'll be willing to do anything to get that next, next gasp of air. Oh, uh, uh, Down Periscope, that Kelsey Grammer, <laughs> uh, Kelsey Grammer comedy. Terrible, great movie. I think these Unbelievably are Unbelievably terrible, great movie. Uh, yeah, I saw that movie. I didn't really like it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, that was not about you. You're right. Yeah, you, that's you true. We should, well, let's let's get oh, the focus back where it that's belongs. Hidden below the belt. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. I mean that. Don't say that. <laughs> it's not about you. Well, Kelsey Grammer, we can all agree, is a fine actor. Fine actor. Let's get out of this segment before I say <laughs> David something L- I shouldn't. David Logg is going to join us next. Uh, stay tuned. 97.5 and we 12.80 of the zone. We pass in the hall On our way to separate rooms The only time we ever talk this, this Chris Stapleton isn't the most upbeat dude in the world, is he? <laughs> oh, he's singing from the heart, though. I, yeah, yeah, it's just not, you know, not real peppy. Not <laughs> <laughs> peppy isn't a word for it. Is. No. Does he have any real peppy type songs? I don't know. He's... <laughs> It's Austin throwing us under the bus. <laughs> Today here. is not ready to fall asleep. It's man. not been a real peppy day. Well, that's all right. It was our, uh, Tim, our uh, win ticket Wednesday. So Tim sent out a picture of my shoes on Twitter. You've worn them frequently. Yeah, I mean, well, they're, I'm breaking them in. Now you're breaking them in, are Tim, you? Those are good-looking shoes, aren't they? Pretty good. Yeah. You but. point them out often. Happens a lot. <laughs> I do. I am fond of them. All right, let's brings, get out. It brings back fond memories of earlier days. <laughs> let's get out to the Sprint when special I, guest line. Before I turned uh, 75. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend David Locke. Hi, David. How are you guys today? Hey, you don't we, have your usual peppiness. Come on. Let's pep it up. We got an 8.30 ball game. I've had five espresso shots at 5 o'clock at night to get yeah. me to midnight. Here hey, we go, baby. David, if the jazz players are as fired up as you are, maybe they can make some progress. Eh? Maybe. I have a very funny – can I share a person? There's a guy out there that every time I tell a personal story – he sends me a tweet that tells me that he doesn't give up. So I'm going to tell a personal story because I don't give up what he thinks. How's that? All right. All right. Bring it on. Putting your pipe and smoke it. Um, 
So since Jake is the, um, what is it, uh, emerging, you have, or like, I don't know, there's a phrase for a fledgling parrot, like you're developing, and uh-huh. Gordon's already been through all of this. So my son was racing this weekend at Junior Nationals, which I was fortunate enough where instead of me having to go somewhere across the country, like the Jazz were nice enough to allow me twice before, they were at Snow Basin. So I went to go watch. And last night, it like dawns on me that this is probably the last ski race of his career that I'm that I might see, like depending what he does. His last two races this year in Sun Valley and Mammoth, I won't be able to go. And if he goes, he's been accepted to college in Massachusetts, so if he races there, like the scenario by which I could go is that we played like Friday in Philly and are scheduled Sunday in Boston and fly and I can rent a car at 4 o'clock in the morning. Like, it's not going to happen. So, you know, I'm kind of quietly emotional about this big day and he finishes his first run, does whatever, and getting for the second run, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, this is like this, like this, and I, I, like, you know, I am a total sap. So, I'm like, third gate, he goes out, straddles the third gate. How quick a slap in the face reminder, like, okay, overly emotional father, like, <laughs> let it go, it's just a silly event, no big deal, like, I was like, all right, there it is, final one I ever see, you made two of the 72 gates, way to go. Yeah, but let me stick up for you there, David, I've, I've been in that those same exact shoes, and uh, you should get emotional. You should uh, relish that stuff. I don't care what the result is. The fact that your kid put in enough effort and uh, worked hard enough to put himself in that kind of position and you were a part of it, man, you should just keep that as a fond memory. I do think it's – yeah, I know what I do. And my point a little bit is, like, as parents, I think we always want to try to control things, like, like, I had the same thing last summer with my daughter. I was caddying her in the final golf tournament that I'll ever caddy her in. And I was totally aware of it, but it was the final one. We got to 18, and she had, like, this 12-foot putt for birdie, and I was so excited, and I had this whole, like, speech in my head ready to give her about how she's giving me more joy with this than anything. I'm a total sap it out. She promptly three putts <laughs> from 12 feet and is so pissed off There's no chance she's listening to a word I have to say. My son was a little more calm. He's like, hey, Dad, I gave you two I gave you two turns. I was like, you gave me more than that. We're good. Like, and I don't, we don't, I admire my kids for what they've done. We don't really care about, you know, we hope they do well because they've worked hard, but that's about it. So um, it wasn't like I thought, you know, he wasn't about to win or do it. He's junior nationals. We're not, you know, he's not heading to the ski team. Uh, but it was it was pretty funny. I just thought you'd get a chuckle out of it, Gordon. It was as though you're like sitting there with your big speech and your daughter double falls. And you're like, well, I guess there goes that idea. I do have a serious question for you, though, David. Did your presence there make your? Did that encourage your kids, or did it make them nervous? I don't think I, I don't think we have any impact. Um, in fact, my son's friends often ask him if his parents care. Um, like, because we're probably the least kind of involved and technically know what's going on and understanding of the sport of any of his uh, parents that are in that social group. So I don't think so. I would hope not. He didn't have a particularly good week, at, week three days, so I would really hope that wasn't because um, of me. Um, 
The one that is interesting is my daughter's handicap is like a three and a half. And if her, if her grandfather's there, she's like a plus one. <laughs> she is unbelievable when grandpa's there. Like unbelievable. And it's totally related. She wants to impress him to such a level that her focus is way better than it would be otherwise. David, switching gears to the Jazz, and given today's kind of inconsistent news about a lineup change, I'll, I'll keep my question simple. Who do you think is going to start tonight? So, I, I mean, as I was saying, I was, I guess I was conceding to the fact that I did not go to shoot-around today. Ah, I see. Um, so I, honestly, the first I knew about the lineup change was a tweet to my, you know, to my phone at, I guess, probably two, right? Or, no, maybe Somewhere around there? I don't know, actually. A little earlier, like one thirty. And then, um, you yeah, know, that's actually, my son was running, like, right then. So I really probably didn't pay much attention. Uh, second run. And then uh, we drove home, and I saw the second one. So I probably didn't have enough time to digest the first to react to the second. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess you're asking me, do I think that Tony Jones and Shams are well-informed. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually even talked to anybody at Shootaround about who went through Shootaround today, so um, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, so you might not know the specifics of what took place in this particular case, but you're familiar enough with the way things work. How do you think that decision was arrived at? So, I mean, you've got to shake something. you got to do something. Um, Gordy Chies always has this great rule that if you're going to change the lineup, you should always change two guys so one person's not the scapegoat, but we don't have two guys to change. Right, like we're not gonna. So we can't do that. Um, so you're you gotta. The defense in the first quarter of the last eleven games has a one twenty four defensive rating. It ranks twenty seventh in the NBA in first quarters. You've got to make a change. Like I think you've got to bring Royce O'Neal back into the starting lineup. Uh, I'll tell you what. The biggest stutter to me of the whole season. I mean, geez, can I have been more? wrong on something. Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert lineup, like, I was convinced it was our Warrior death lineup. I was convinced the offensive rating would be a 119. I was, I, I, and if you go back and listen to my broadcast for the first 20 games of the year, we charted every time they came into the game. I mean, I was utterly convinced that this was the magic that we built the whole team around. If you had if you had grabbed me in August and or September and told me to build a, a lineup, I would have. I probably would have had that as my. You know, I would have had that as my starting lineup and finding ways. Probably would have had Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert on the floor together at all times, just to try to maximize that with Boyan and Joe Ingles as the like. I, I'm so stunned that that is the one lineup that has not worked for us this year. All of our other main lineups have been great. Um, that one five-man combination just hasn't worked. I'm, 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 I would have never seen that coming. Um, and so I think you've got to insert Royce back in, and then if you do it, I guess there's two stories where you, one, you do one for Mike or you do it for Joe, there's a legitimate argument to, to both. Um, I do think Mike is being unfairly characterized in this largely due to schedule strength um, on who we've played 
and who we haven't, and you know, and then numbers I've seen floating around. I did a whole numbers podcast today, no surprise, but you know, it really depends where you want to cherry pick your numbers from. So, like over the last period of time, Donovan and Mike are not very good together, but over the whole season, they are good together. So you two, whatever side of the ledger you want to get on, you can find your numbers to prove it. David, do you think part of the problem is with that one lineup you were talking about, is there too much duplication at the offensive end as far as what what individual players are capable of doing? There, there might be. I thought there was a sequence in the Phoenix game where everybody tried to solve the problem, you know, and I think they're all so good um, and have been so good in their careers at different points or in young points. Uh, whether it's Jordan or Boyan or Mike or or Donovan or and that they all tried to and when they you know they went harder and shot you know quicker because they were going to solve it they, you know well we got to I got to pick it up and do it for my team and you know they've got to get to doing it for the team's got to be the team doing it for each other and not them doing it for the team and that's a very hard thing I think uh, because all these guys are good enough that their instinct is to go you know not. I think they sometimes would consider, you know, dishing it off as being passivity, and that's not what it is, but it probably feels that way to them. So there's probably a little bit of that. I've run the numbers on this team when the year started, um, and, you know, they're, they're, everyone was going to have to sacrifice a little bit, but it wasn't one of those rosters like Minnesota three years ago where you ran the numbers or Boston last year and said, oh, dear, if everyone got their average amount of possessions – you know, and that they that they're used to getting, they're all going to have to drop twenty five percent. It wasn't anything that severe. So there's a little sacrifice everyone has to do, but it's not not significant. It's just they've got to get comfortable with each other and figure out how to play together. But honestly, it's not an offensive problem. I mean, this is this has been a defensive problem for the last little period of time. Not an offensive problem. David, thank you very much. As always, we'll see you here at the arena and talk to you during the pregame. I apologize that my answers were so long that I gave you two questions. <laughs> oh, we uh, we always enjoy your thorough answers. So, my bad. See ya. Thanks, David. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Did he apologize there for his answers? He did. He shouldn't. Oh, I thought so David was great. Good yeah. as always. Yeah. He has a perspective that uh, you know is is very unique, and he gets nice access. Even. Uh, even when he's uh, going to see his son race uh, race on skis, I'm not sure. Uh, the, I agreed with everything he said, except for I, I'm not sure that the scheduling has really had a negative impact. Well, I think he. Well, I don't know. Specifically talking about Mike Conley. Okay. Mike needs to be better. He does, regardless of the circumstance. I agree. And the Jazz need to be better with him. Which puts some responsibility not only on him but his teammates as well. Got to get him going. And we talked about that, how difficult it is for a guy to play a certain style of basketball for his entire career and then come in and be part of something different. But by this time in the season, and we have seen small increments of uh, progress, but uh, I would expect and I would have expected Mike Conley to play a major, major role in the Jazz's success this season. And uh, whether that can be accomplished over the final, what, 25 and into the postseason? Well, I guess we're going to find out. All right. We'll have more coming up next. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. to it, Austin. Welcome on back. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Can't be dragging tonight. Got an 8.30 start. Got to yeah. keep up the energy. Fire up. Yeah. yeah, Tim Lacombe's going to be with me. Do you think uh, we should have Tim's band as our band of the other day? I think, haven't we tried to do that, uh, do that. before? We've, we've done we? it twice, yeah. I th- yeah, I think we've done it. Uh, well, let's do it again. The Party Hounds. Oh, you know I'm a big fan. They've got a gig coming up. Tim Lacombe is with us here in studio. He'll be with uh, with us tonight, pre half and post. Have you guys put out an, an LP yet, Tim? No, we recorded one of our own original songs. How'd it go? Pretty good. It was killer. Nice. I was I was sixteen at the time. <laughs> it's called "I'd Break My Nose for You." So it's been a minute. I'd break my nose for you. <laughs> I'd break my nose for is there, you. Is there a story that inspired? Uh, it was just really late at night, and we were. My buddy's writing the song, the tune, uh-huh. and we were like, "What? Like, what would you?" We were just talking what we'd do for girl we loved. I think back then, and break it came nose. up and break my nose for you. You know, I know you're pacing. It shows your, commitment. It does. You're pacing yourself and whatnot, but one song every thirty years, uh, you could pick it up a little. We just like to cover other songs. It's easier that way. You, you know, they do the hard work, and then you just <laughs> scoop in and take all the credit. And do it better. You know, that's all. I, just, yeah, I, think, I, I think we do the cult. You guys probably, you know the cult? Yeah, I've heard of it. Sure, I've heard of it. Um, they're a great 80s slash kind of prog band. And all right. We do them probably better than anybody else. So we're thinking actually doing a cult tribute band. Oh, okay. There you okay. go. I'd like to know if Gordon would break his nose for Lisa. Uh, you know, breaking your nose is really painful. I mean, you have to be all in. Is that a no? Remember when you called her up, uh, Austin, and asked her if she would dump me for, what was it? Five billion dollars. Oh, that's like a no-brainer, right? Yeah, well, she had caught her attention. Yeah. But would you break your nose for her, is the question. Yeah. All right. I wouldn't want to. Let's see it. <laughs> what? What's the purpose in that? I don't know. We've got a book or something over here. We can... <laughs> Actually, it's probably the best thing. Just stand right there in that window and just, you know. No, you could do that. Yeah, that would work. That's a strong window. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, if you were going to write a song now, since you are an accomplished musician, lead singer and all that, what would you write about? Um, Pessimistic columnists. (laughs) <laughs> I think you can pick a better topic than that. Pessimistic columnist. Although that's because not a bad that's... idea for a, a band name, the Pessimistic Columnist. <laughs> that's actually a great name. Yeah, that's not bad. You know, I'm thinking, because everyone always talks about, well, a lot of people talk about writing a book, you know? So I'm thinking, 
well, if you're going to write a book, you know, you would want to make it make it yours somehow. So if you're going to write a song, I would write about life's journey. I would think, you? yeah, a long and winding road. Well, not that particularly because that's been done, but something along a long windy road. You know that theme. Has your road been long and windy, Gordon? <laughs> it's a personal question. Yes, it's quite long. Quite and long wind, and windy. Windy, yeah. Okay, uh, but, but it's uh, it's been well worth the. Uh, have you written a book? I have not. You need to I, write a book, man. I know. I, I've been asked to write books and didn't have time because I was too busy uh, doing the column and doing the radio show. Where's the honk right there? What? I've been asked to write books, you know. I don't mean it as a brag. I just mean it as a point of, point of fact. <laughs> I love the honk. I know. He's in the honk. The honk is never not funny. Okay. I'm Gordon Monson. We don't play that honk enough. We don't play it enough. What are the parking lines for? Nothing. <laughs> All right, real quick. All lines are merely suggestions. Real quick, Tim, while we've got you here, and we'll get to more of this on the on the pregame starting at 730, but uh, fix the jazz. Go. <laughs> Well, it is. I, I, I empathize with where the coaches are because I, I know, and we've seen them play good basketball. Um, we've seen them play great basketball, actually. And, um, and, and there is something to, I mean, the chemistry to be, to be good, you can, you can kind of fudge, right? You can get through some things. To be great, to be excellent, there has to be, I mean, you use the term, and I think it's exactly dead on. There has to be a buy-in. Everybody has to be in. Everybody has to be pulling in the same direction. I think all those things are, uh, I think they're apropos right now. And uh, it's, I'll, I'll tell you this, having done it for a long time, it's way easier on the outside than it looks. Um, and, man, you got to get creative. you got to find ways to get the guys to, to buy what you're selling. Um, this team has to be good defensively. And right now they're just not. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of ways to get by. And what if Gordon just went scorched earth in column form? Something Quinn could really hold in front of the team. Would that help? He'd probably just say, hey, Munson can cook his own chicken. (laughs) That's what Majerus did when he'd scathe him. I love that story. Well, it was so hard for me not to cuss. I mean, right there I was like, because there's parts of that that I can't say. But that's the... the, uh, cliff notes version gordon's clueless kyle column got the football team at least a couple of well wins. hold on a second that was not my headline i did not write that was headline. that or was that not the headline that was the headline but it was not i didn't write did, that. did win or did he not hold it up in front of the whole team that, is, i'm not sure gordon is that, is that something because i used to jump jay drew sometimes for column titles and i mean i don't know if it's like a industry thing where you guys all say oh, i didn't write the Title's not mine. Well, that particular column of which you're speaking there was not, that headline did not reflect what was in the column, and I did not write it. And sometimes, these days, uh, the headlines more and more are being written by the writers, but online and whatnot, but not always. And uh, back in the day, it was almost never. I was just giving you credit. You were the rallying point for a team to, for buy-in. Oh, you've been used I have for buy-in. I have had coaches come ask me to to blister the team. I have. That has happened. Did you? Uh, yeah. Blister the team. Yeah, because it deserved it. <laughs> but the coach actually was encouraging me to do it. Which one? I can't. Tell. Think how many people Gordon has blistered in his career over the years. <laughs> Not that many. Usually, usually I'm very 
you know, complimentary. Be honest, Stu honk, Morrill. Honk the horn, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Stu Morrill asked you to blister the team, didn't he? Uh, it was Mick Dennehy, wasn't it, Gordon? Uh, Mick Dennehy. <laughs> Mick Dennehy was so mad at me because I, I wrote this wonderful, long feature all about his life, and I had that one line in there that he looked like uh, Fred Flintstone, and he never forgave me for that. So. Well, that's probably had so many negative effects on your life, I'm sure. None whatsoever, but uh, but anyway. Okay. I'm, I'm tired of talking about me. Let's talk about something. Tim, I'll talk to you on the pregame. Sounds good. All right, more Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, 97.5, 1280, The Zone, Jazz Game Night pregame show coming up right around the corner. Tim Lacombe going to jump in. We'll get you ready for the Jazz and the Celtics. Uh, 8.30 tip on ESPN tonight. Gordon, how do you think this one's going to go? I have no clue. I really don't know. I know that the Jazz are getting to a point of desperation. They need a victory in the worst way. And if that if that brings them together and they go out and and – play with commitment, play smart, play together, and they give themselves a chance regardless of who they're playing. But I haven't seen that in a while. When you were playing uh, pro hockey, uh, were you more of a commitment player or were you more of the like selfish, I'm going to go get mine kind of guy? I was all in, man. I was all about team. I didn't care what my stats were. I was all about team. It's kind of like this radio station. Uh, it, I care about everybody. I care about everybody being successful. A couple of exceptions, but yeah, for the most part. (laughs) That Adrian. Uh, Yeah. Care about him so much you run him off the road. Yeah, you did run him off the road. You know, to this day, I I do not remember doing that. I I totally believe you. I really do. Well, that you didn't know that that he didn't know he did it or that he didn't do it. (laughs) That he didn't know he did it. I don't think Gordon's denying that he did it. But wouldn't I have seen him? Not at 78 and a 20. (laughs) Well, if you would have if you would have seen him, then we you wouldn't be being honest with us, because we all can agree that you well, did if, yeah, run him off here. the road. If I had seen him, then I wouldn't have run him off the road. But you did run him off the road. Well, he says I did, but I don't. Are you are you saying that he didn't look right at you and say, "Wow, that expensive car he's, that just ran me off the road not, was Gordon"? See, I don't. I, I'm a very careful driver, and so I think it may have been someone else driving a car that was like my car. Did Adrian actually see me, Jeff, or did he just Jeff see the car? Bezos didn't make enough <laughs> an appearance here to the east side was, of Salt Lake County. One of thirty-two ever made. You're right. It may have been someone else. Get out of here. He didn't see me. He did see you. He, he told did? us he, he saw, saw you. He saw my face? Yes. Is he sure? Yes. No, because you you couldn't see my I, face. Honestly, it, it, how would that, you know? Because that car had, had, had darkened windows. And, you know, to be truthful, I don't, I've never heard Adrian say, I, I saw Gordon's facial mole and therefore I know it was him. But... It couldn't have been someone else. It was your car at the exit uh, on the way to your house. Well, there could have been somebody else with a car like mine. Same make, model, and color. This isn't my cousin Vinny, Gordon. I don't think it's that hard, dude, to put the pieces together here. 
We, we, you didn't mean to, but you did. Uh, I, see, I think it was somebody else, because there are other people that happen to live in our neighborhood, Jake. I who, can't believe who have, that, that you just throw the Eccles family under the bus like this. <laughs> like how we tried to include that you also live in the neighborhood. Yeah, right, like, like anybody. <laughs> I mean, you're on the other side of that gated part. Right. All right, uh, game jazz game night pregame show coming up next. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. I don't even know you, and I hate your guts. See, I I am quite fond of you. <laughs> of course, I look up to you in many ways. Yeah, I. <laughs> oh, so we're flipping the whole thing now, huh? Gordon, you have a fine. You, you know how much I care about you guys. Oh, you... That's why when you're when you're. You insult me like that, it hurts. It cuts deep. I know we don't talk a lot of boxing on this show, but over the weekend... I had a speed bag when I was a kid. <laughs> well, I rest my case. Uh, Gordon, I'll see you tomorrow in Orem, buddy. We'll be down at the warehouse. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. Ugh. You, you oh, have maybe. a good night. <laughs> you too. All right. It's The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.